0: I am so happy that you're able to join us for this extended interview. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get more killer resources. Hey friend, for years now I've given you a ton of stories on remote workers and digital nomads on this podcast, but I've come to realize that many of you beginners are still unsure on how to take the first steps to creating a freedom lifestyle through online work. Maybe you've been too afraid to take the plunge or just don't feel confident enough to land that online job due to inexperience. Well, I'm excited to announce that I've created a new YouTube series called Trying Remote, where I try a new online job or gig every month to give you a glimpse of what it takes to land a remote job so if you need a little boost to try something new or just want to see what it takes to get started you can go to theoffbeatlife.com slash trying remote again you can go to theoffbeatlife.com slash trying remote to find our videos and to subscribe to our new series on youtube so please come and join me there so we can uncomfortably grow together Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here for this extended interview with Robert, where he's going to share with us how to plan an epic travel itinerary. Hi, Robert. How are you? Hi, Debbie. I'm great. Thank you so much for being here and for talking to us about this topic. I'm really excited about it, actually. But before we get to all of your tips and tricks, can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life?
1: Yes. So I'm Robert Schrader. I am 37 years old. I was one of the web's original travel bloggers. I started my site, leave your daily hell back in 2009. And I live an offbeat life because I used my blog and I was the first, one of the first people on the internet to use a travel blog to do this, to live a location, independent, financially independent life that is guided and powered by my own creativity and talent. And I've escaped the system because of that. And, um, my sort of raison d'etre in life has been to continue perpetuating that. So I'm offbeat because um, I'm self powered, and continuing to power myself is the goal and meaning of my life.
0: Yeah. And you were one of the OGs in the travel blogging industry. And it's honestly, I'm like, it's so incredible to see somebody like you, Robert, who is doing this and paved the way for a lot of travel bloggers and for a lot of people who are in The travel media spectrum of this, because I'm sure there's been a lot of changes and there wasn't a lot of resources for you (laughs) when you started. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot easier now, but then it's also a bit harder. But it's an interesting field to get into. And you were you were able to make this sustainable for yourself, which is another thing that is really hard to do in this industry as well. And one of the things that you actually do is you help people plan these epic travel itineraries because you had to do this yourself. Um Right, many mini- Yeah. And, and a lot of people that are your audience, sometimes they don't have a lot of time. They just don't know where to begin because they're beginners. So we're going to be talking about that and you're going to give us some of your amazing tips to, you know, plan a successful itinerary. Can you walk us through that on, on how to plan this and what should be the first thing that somebody should look into when they are planning their, their trip somewhere?
1: Well, I'll start by saying the main mistake that I think people make that gets them tripped up and frustrated is they try to fit too much into too short of time. So obviously nobody can control how much time they have off. A lot of Americans only get two weeks if that, and that's fine. But I think that the first key to having a successful trip is choosing a destination and then choosing experiences within that destination that match the amount of time you have. So I think a lot of people, for example, they might think with two weeks that they're going to go take a short Euro trip and they're going to bounce around from London to Paris to Amsterdam to Berlin, to Berks, Barcelona to Madrid, so on and so forth. And they don't realize that between the time it takes to get to and from Europe and then between those cities and all the things there is to do in those, me two weeks might actually only be enough time to see two or three cities realistically, particularly if you're traveling with a partner or children. And, and individuals who are gonna take more time to get from place to place. And, and therefore as well, when you're traveling, you're gonna have a lot more interests you have to attend to. So I think the, the first key to really planning an amazing trip is right-sizing it. The second key I think is being clear about what your budget is um, and, and sort of distributing the amount of money you have evenly around your trip. So what I mean, uh, one way to do that is if you decide that you have an average of 200 US dollars per night for hotels over the course of two weeks, really spending that wisely, that doesn't mean going into every city and saying, okay, I'm only going to look at hotels that cost between 190 and $210 per night. (laughs) I I think what it is, is realizing that, okay, if I'm going to take a Euro trip, then maybe when I'm in London, I'm going to stay in Kensington or Chelsea, and I'm going to get a really nice place. And I'm going to spend Three or $400 a night here. And then maybe realizing, you know what, when I'm in Spain, when I'm in a smaller city or town in Spain, I'm going to stay in a homestay or I'm going to stay in a hostel or I'm going to get a really cheap Airbnb. And then I'm only going to spend 20 or $30 there. And then it all evens out to whatever your budget is. But I think you have to be clear with what your budget is before you begin so that you don't end up biting off more than you can chew. And either A, coming back in a lot of credit card debt, Or B, having to forego experiences that you really want because you spent that money on something that maybe you did or didn't want to do it, but you ended up executing it because you didn't plan properly and you sort of just fell into it and hundreds of dollars are gone.
0: Yeah, I I love that tip because most people will just be like, Well, this is my budget. This is what I'm gonna stick to. It has to be two hundred dollars a day with my, you know, what my accommodations. And I love that little trick that you have. It's like, okay, this this place may need more money in some place. I don't care where, where I stay. Sometimes you're just there to stay in the hotel. Anyways, you don't, (laughs) you don't care where it is or, you know, what location you're in. I love that. I love that tip. Now, what about the type of destinations that, that you actually choose? How do you begin that? Because there's obviously it's the entire world, right? How do you even choose? There's too many.
1: (laughs) Well, I would say for me as a travel blogger, obviously there, I sort of have two pools that I choose from. And the first pool is quite depleted now because I think when I first started traveling, I had a big bucket list of places I wanted to go. And now I haven't been everywhere. I wanted to go. I haven't been to Antarctica. I haven't been to Pakistan. um, I haven't been to a number of places, but I think that the first strategy I had for many years was just sort of country counting. It was just like, okay, I want to backpack through South America. I want to go on a safari in East Africa. Like I want to go to Australia and New Zealand and see wallabies and kangaroos and, and glaciers and whatever. And I think that that was initially how I approached traveling. Now I would say there are two different ways. So as unsexy as this is, one of the ways I approach traveling is I think, okay, where do other people want to go? Where are people searching? Where can I go and bolster my expertise? and and therefore create content that's going to draw people to my site. That's one way that I decide these days. Another way, now that I've been at least one time to most places that I wanted to visit, is going back to places and exploring them more deeply. Because I think that that what I've realized over the years is although I found something wonderful in every country that I visited, some places just hit me more. You know, before I lived in Thailand, so I lived in Thailand many years ago, I had probably visited 10 or 15 times, you know, I've been to Japan over 30 times and also lived there. And I think that, that as I get older, I think just as getting older, I think a lot is, is enjoying the finer things in life, Mm -hmm. going back to different countries and having different experiences and seeing different cities, eating different things, meeting different people. That's as exciting as going somewhere you've never been before. You're from the Philippines originally. And um, I uh, have only actually been there once before COVID, I was planning to go back and take a very in depth (laughs) second trip there. And that's a place that I really want to go and explore more. So I think that that again, in the beginning, I would look more to my bucket list. But now it's more about either going where people want to go so that I can write about it, or digging deeper into places that I've already been.
0: Yeah. And you're right. Every stage in your life, you travel differently. So what country you went to in your 20s is going to be completely different experience when you're there in your thirties and forties even. And also maybe your budget is different, you know, you're not going to be staying, (laughs) hopefully in the same places, because I remembered, you know, I still do this now, but when you haven't gone to a lot of different places, you don't have a lot of budget. What I used to do when I was younger too, and I, and I still do it now is just like, what's the cheapest flight to anywhere? Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's, and that's, and that's a good strategy. <laughs> I mean, Sky, cer- certain tools like Skyscanner even yeah. has a thing where you can um, do U.S. to anywhere mm-hmm. and it'll just tell you the price of everywhere in the world and you can sort it by whatever's cheaper. That's totally cool. And I think especially in this era of inflation, sometimes people have to do that because yeah. maybe the flight to the place they want to go is just totally out of reach to them. So that's a really smart strategy, too.
0: I love that So is there any other tips and tricks or you know maybe like a magic trick that you, <laughs> secret sauce you have no, for us for, I, for don't, building? I
1: don't think there's a magic trick but what I do when I'm planning itineraries for other people is I always err on the side of planning too much rather than too little because the thing is you can always wake up one day so if you're in Japan and you're in Osaka, And in the morning, you're supposed to go to Osaka Castle and the Osaka Museum of History, which offers a really good view of the castle with the skyscrapers behind it. If you wake up one morning in Osaka and you just don't have the energy to do that, you know, and you just want to walk down the street to the company and get some donuts and coffee, you can do that. The thing is, if you've planned your trip and you have a big free space and then suddenly you want to do something, you might not have the bandwidth that morning to plan something to go and do. And so then you end up wasting that day by default. So I would say the first thing is to plan more rather than less, because you never know. You can always take something away. You can't always add something. I would say the second thing, keeping that in mind is to plan things that are flexible. You know, a lot of people contact me and ironically, they want me to plan a trip for them, an independent trip, but then they want me to get recommend a bunch of tour guides within that so that they'll basically just be going on tours the whole time. And while I think that it's really valuable to take tours of certain places, particularly historical or natural places that you either want to learn more about or you don't feel comfortable maybe hiking a certain mountain on your own, um, I think that the more flexible you can make your plans, the better. So what do I mean? So for an afternoon in London, rather than taking a tour of Camden Town and Camden Market, you might do the research and arrange your own trips around that area, a self guided kind of tour, so that you have the flexibility to be able to do what you want. Because the other thing, I, pre- I think, especially when you travel long haul, you don't know how long the jet lag is gonna stay with you. You don't know how long it's gonna hit. If you have kids or your partner or someone else you're traveling with, you don't know if someone's gonna be sick or tired one day. And so I think err on the side of planning a lot, but also plan flexible things that can be modified if needed. Because we're human and you don't know how you're going to feel. You could feel right as rain today and you think <laughs> about your 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 week in Europe and think that you're going to be able to go at a thousand miles an hour every day, but that might not be the case. You don't want to bite off more than you.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's what most people who who do have that 9 to 5 because you are only allotted that two weeks right that you have to kind of feel like you have to put everything in and you end up yeah. not enjoying yourself and no. um you know you get too busy you do too many things and then you're like oh my gosh i feel like exhausted and i need a vacation from this
1: vacation well and i think the other thing is you end up getting stressed out and maybe you lash out at the person you're mm-hmm. traveling with or you have a negative experience where it should have been a positive experience. And I mean, I even do this, listen, I've been traveling. I've had my blog for 13 years. I've been traveling for over 20 years. I, this still happens to me. I still have to remind myself. It's still a process of refinement and improvement. But I think that, um, yeah, just don't buy it off more than you can do. Cause the thing is you might have two weeks off a year. You're probably going to have at least two weeks off a year for the foreseeable future. So mm-hmm. you don't see everything this time. You can go back, make that your goal. But don't ruin your current trip because you're afraid you might not be able to take a future one. You know, it's like my mom always says, don't borrow trouble.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, and you have to also take the time to enjoy what you're actually doing. Because if you're constantly thinking about the next thing, the next thing, you're going to miss out. And for me, this is why I love just like choosing a place and just staying in that one place and just really – seeing everything in that area. And um I love renting out like an apartment and feeling at home and just doing things at leisure. Maybe because I'm getting older too, because when I was younger, that's how I used to travel. I'm like, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> different different hostel every night, different place every yeah. day. That's totally true. I, I think that that you have to be present and you also even if you have a very busy day, which I frequently do because I'm creating content, yeah. you have to leave space for magic. Yep. You have to have enough space in your day that if you are walking down a street in Tokyo and you see something interesting down a side street that you can say, yes, I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm going to be that dog that sees the ball <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to chase the ball because that's where the magic of travel is. Yeah. You know, um, it's a little bit of a personal story. I was back in Thailand, uh, in January, February, and March. I used to live there, but I still go back all the time. And this was my first trip there after COVID. And um, I was in an island called Gaut Tao. Some of your listeners will probably know this island. It's near Koh Samui. It's a very beautiful island. And off of got there's another island called Nang Yuan. And there's a very famous viewpoint there, where you see these three islands that are connected by a sandbar. It's really beautiful. You hike up there and you sort of get the classic Instagram shot. Anyway, On the day that I went there, I had told myself my entire trip, this is what you're going to do in the afternoon. Well, I got a wild hair that morning. I don't know why I did. I ended up going there in the morning instead. And because I made the decision to go there in the morning, I actually ran into someone up there that I didn't know. He knew me from Facebook. But lo and behold, he's actually my boyfriend now.
0: Oh my and god, so, that's awesome! Right, and
1: so actually, <laughs> I think leaving space in your trip for magic—if you don't do that—then the magic can't happen.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like you you never know what's gonna happen. Now I'm like thinking about our conversation, Robert, and I'm like I'm like there's so much I want to ask you. Cause I, I said this at the end of our other interview, the initial, I'm like, there's so much things. I'm like, I could talk now. I could like knowing that you met your boyfriend there. I'm like, now I could talk to you about like meeting, like having love during travel. Cause that's a hard
1: thing. Oh, to- <laughs> oh my God. It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing. I mean, it's wonderful and it's terrible because of course, when, when you fall in love with someone that has a different passport that lives in a different country, you, you can't just date. You can't have a normal relationship. You, like, everything has to go faster. And then if you want to take it to the next level, it suddenly becomes an issue of laws and immigration. It's, it's very complicated, and <laughs> it's wonderful. What I do think is good about travel love, though, is that I think when you expand your dating pool to the entire world, you really then have a chance to meet someone who is really your speed. Because, you know, if you live in New York city, you know, then, then maybe you have a really great and exciting dating pool and you can meet anyone. But a lot of people, you know, I'm from St. Louis originally. And St. Louis is a a great place to raise a family. It's an easy Midwestern city, but like, you're, especially if you're still single in your thirties, like I was before I met my boyfriend, (laughs) you're not going to meet a lot of super exciting single people here. That's fine. They're, they're nice people. They're good people. But I think that when you're, when you're traveling, the good thing is you have a much larger dating pool and you can, you can really have these magical moments. But I think the difficulty is then transposing that magic into a functional relationship. Which I mean, that's really hard to do, even when you're just dating someone in your own city, right? It's really easy to fall in love with someone. It's really easy to be attracted to someone. Being partners is really hard, and um, compromise, and conflict, and <laughs> and 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 working out boring routines. I mean, that's that's really what partnership and then marriage is about. So I think to be able to take something magical and turn it into something uh, practical that that's an art in and of itself
0: yeah and 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 that's the thing right that's where you get the longevity part i i one of my friends like i interviewed her on on my podcast who she met her husband i think they were in thailand when she was vacationing oh. he was vacationing and then they ended up dating long distance and then oh. within six months they were married i was like what that's mind-blowing He's like, he's from Germany and she's from the U.S. And then they just, I was like, what? that I mean, hey, when, when you know, you know.
1: <laughs> when you know, you know. But I think the, the other unfortunate thing, though, is I think particularly during COVID, when so many international couples were blocked from seeing each yes. other if they weren't married, I think that unfortunately, if you come from two different countries and you want to be together long term, you have to have that conversation much yeah. more quickly.
0: Yeah, because it's true.
1: otherwise, if if someone is coming into one country over and over again, the immigration is going to start asking questions, mm-hmm. and um, so it's it's just very unfortunate. And I mean, I guess what I hope one day is that we reach a place in the world where we realize that actually freedom of movement is a human right, that there is no such thing as an illegal person, yeah, and that um, you know you you shouldn't be you should you know we shouldn't even be having these conversations like. Oh, you know, I don't want to fall in love with someone from a different country because it's too difficult legally. <laughs> that shouldn't be an issue. If you want to love someone from a different country, you should be able to. If you want to work in a different country, you should be able to. As long as you're not a criminal and a bad person, mm-hmm. you should be able to do you whatever makes to. you happy. And um that, that's one of my hopes, that that as time goes on, we can raise our consciousness in humans, yeah. as humans.
0: Because, so. I mean, love is hard enough as it is on its own, and then you add right. all of these things, and it makes it so much harder. But, you know, like, it's so funny when you watch these shows like 90 Day Fiance, I'm like, dang, like, What? <laughs>
1: Well, of course, <laughs> 90 Day Fiance, and then and then reality TV paycheck. I think yes. that's really more. Of a story. I know, I'm like, that's you know, who like, knows if that is even real? That's right? like Jerry Springer show. You know, <laughs> you you see these messed up people, and then you think they they have to just be playing it up for the camera. No yeah. one can really be that much of a train wreck.
0: I know, or they find real train wrecks and just like yeah. interviewing all the train wrecks. I'm like, who's the worst train wreck than you know? Cash me
1: outside. How about that? <laughs> um,
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much, Robert, for talking to us today. We went from travel itinerary to love on the road. We're we're all good.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I am a I'm a barrel of monkeys for sure. So, um, no, I appreciate it, and thank you to all your listeners for listening to me. Um, if you do want to book a travel coaching session or learn more about it, you can go to my website. Leave your daily help. In the top corner, if you're looking on a desktop or in the drop down menu, if you're looking on mobile or tablet, there's a tab that says plan your trip and you can go there or you can directly navigate to it. It's leaveyourdailyhell.com backslash travel dash coach.
0: I love that. And, of course, we're also going to go to your website to get information on travel itineraries, read about all of your travels, get inspiration from that, too, because you've been to, what, over 100 countries? I mean, that's incredible. So Almost 100, Almost not 100. Quite 100, 100 yeah. Well, that's still pretty – that's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't been everywhere, but it's on my list, right?
0: Yes. You will get there. Yeah. You still have a lot of ways to go. Through. You know, a lot of <laughs> so. love that. Thank you, Robert. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Debbie. I hope you enjoyed this extended interview with Robert. Make sure to visit the offbeatlife.com. Again, that's the offbeatlife.com to get the full interview where he shares how he was able to leave the daily hell.